From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Races for U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and Governor top the ticket in Alaska's rank-choice election. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski faces a challenge from a field that includes fellow Republican Kelly Shabaka. Democratic U.S. Representative Mary Peltola is in a rematch against Republicans Nick Baggage and former Governor Sarah Palin. Peltola bested them in the August special election to fill Alaska's House seat until January. Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy seeks to become Alaska's first governor since Democrat Tony Knowles in 98 to serve back-to-back terms. All but one of the legislature's 60 seats also are up for election. Meanwhile, Alaska Lieutenant Governor Kevin Myers says he is satisfied with Alaska's ballot counting process and says there are no plans for a statewide hand count audit of a race like the one he called for two years ago. Lieutenant Governor oversees elections in Alaska. After the 2020 general election, Meyer announced plans for an audit of votes on a statewide ballot initiative that narrowly passed. He cast the audit as a way to address questions that had been raised about the validity of elections results tied to vote tabulation equipment used by the state. The audit affirmed the initiative's passage. Meyer says that with that review, election officials were able to show that the machines worked correctly. Alaska U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski spoke to the federal funding coming to the Alaska Marine Highway while a guest on Action Line. She had said, as part of the process to pass the infrastructure bill, ferries were on the top of needs. This was an initiative that for me had to be a priority. I think it helps that I was raised here in Southeast, born in Ketchikan, and and lived here in Juneau and in Wrangell. I get it. That's how our family traveled when, when I was young here. So what we needed to do is to, to breathe new life into an old system that is so important. And so uh, we have included not only federal highway aid dollars to help with the operation and maintenance of the Alaska Marine Highway System. For the first time, we'll be able to utilize that. But a uh, billion dollars nationwide to establish what we're calling essential ferry service to support rural communities. She highlighted what that funding is targeting. What we are doing is we are specifically targeting um, essential ferry service. In other words, those areas that uh, are not connected have have limited means to be connected and um, meet many of the the definition and criteria that we've set out in, in the law. In addition to doing that, we also recognize that um, in some of our, our communities that are closer together, for instance, Haines and Skagway, the opportunity to, um, to establish a pilot program with an EV, an electric um, vessel, uh, is, is something that there's oh, an no reason. Ferry? Mm-hmm. Mm. We shouldn't, there's no reason that we shouldn't be looking to this and said the state is ultimately the one who handles the sustainability of the system. It's efforts like this that I think are really going to help uh, help our marine highway system get back on its feet and be sustainable. We, we cannot, we do not want to, to federalize our marine highway system. This needs to be the state of Alaska that determines what our system looks like and, and, and really... Um, works to ensure that it, it, it works for the families and the communities that, that rely on them and need them. 
Juno Senator Jesse Keel was on Action Line and talked about the interest in reauthorization of the Magnuson-Stevens Act. The Magnuson-Stevens Fishery Conservation and Management Act is the primary law that governs marine fisheries management in U.S. federal waters. Keel was asked if the, if the act could help with bycatch. It, it can help, yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, the work that's been done to, to move that and, and to make some adjustments to the North Pacific Council um, have the potential to, to really help. Keel spoke to past efforts to deal with the matter. There is less bycatch now than there was decades ago. Um, I remember when I was an intern for Ted Stevens, he was gearing up for a Magnuson-Stevens Fisheries Act reauthorization. Um, and, and bycatch was a serious issue and a problem then. And, um, you know, um, we had some, some uh, Washington State senators who were not interested in having the bycatch issue addressed. Um, and, and over the decades, uh, things have gotten a little bit better, but we haven't done enough. I mean, we, we just haven't done enough. He says that with the Alaska delegation, the Magnuson-Stevens Reauthorization Act has got potential. And I think that's part of why you see uh, this is such a big issue in the campaigns this year, um, because our fish stocks in a lot of places, most of Alaska now, are struggling, um, and and everything counts um, when it comes to that ocean survival problem. So, uh, yeah, I think that that we're going to see that done. And, you know, this is one of those places where Congressman Young worked with folks he normally did not agree with on much. Um, I think Congressman Huffman, Jared Huffman out of California, they, boy, they don't see, didn't see the world the same way. I mean, at all. But they, my understanding is they got to handshake or pretty darn close to it, uh, on the major pieces of that, that reauthorization bill in the House. So to see Congresswoman Peltola, uh, take that back up and push that, and then our two senators in, in, in DC work on that, um, I think it's got potential, um, but there's a lot to do. The U.S. Coast Guard's 420-foot Healy is coming to Juneau. Homeported in Seattle and commissioned in 1999, Coast Guard Petty Officer 3rd Class Ian Gray explained the Healy's mission. Healy is designed to conduct a wide range of research activities, providing more than 4,200 square feet of scientific laboratory space. Numerous electronic sensor systems, oceanographic winches, and accommodations for up to 50 scientists. Healy is designed to break 4.5 feet of ice continuously at three knots and can operate in temperatures as low as negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Not only does the Healy break ice and make water navigable for ships, we often have NOAA and various scientists on the Healy for long deployments. Deployments are usually five to six months long for the Coast Guard Cutter Healy. The Healy will not be open to the public for its Juno visit, as the crew will be recovering from their recent deployment. It's interesting because the, they're out for so long, and when they come back in, they usually go to dry dock to do repairs, and that takes almost the, amount, the same amount of time as, as them being deployed. So they'll pull in for like five to six months and just, you know, paint the ship and clean it up and do repairs, and then as soon as they finish their dry dock, they put it back in the water and then they deploy again for six months. So it's, they're kind of on like a six-month-in, six-month-out rotation. And it's been that way since they commissioned back in, in 1999. Gray said that the Healy's visit is subject to change based on weather. The weather has been up and down, but they are scheduled to pull in, I think, Thursday evening or this 
Friday morning. But you can't you can't miss it. It's the biggest uh, biggest Coast Guard ship we have. The last record I have of them in June it was 2019. It is scheduled to be ported near the Coast Guard station downtown, which is also subject to change. Capital City Fire and Rescue responded to a trailer fire Wednesday morning. The fire marshal said there were no injuries reported and that the home is a total loss. Yesterday morning at about 8.40, CCFR was dispatched to Sprucewood Trailer Park in the Mendenhall Valley for a structure fire. Upon arrival, fire personnel found a mobile home with heavy flames and smoke showing. The home was occupied by a single occupant and two dogs. Everyone was able to evacuate safely. The occupant who was asleep in the back bedroom, was alerted by a smoke alarm and awoke to heavy smoke in the main living area. CCFR said an attempt was made to extinguish the fire, but it was too large to be effective. The investigation determined the room of origin was the living room, and that the competent heat source that caused the fire was a wood stove that had been in use. Fire Marshal Dan Jagger said there were no injuries reported and that the home was a total loss. Also, there was no insurance for the home. The occupants were taken care of by friends and family. Last week, the National Center for Education Statistics released the results for the 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress, providing data on Alaska's schools on a statewide level. The Alaska Department of Ed said Alaska's mathematics results more closely reflect nationwide trends, with both 4th and 8th grades declining. Superintendent Bridget Weiss commented on Action Line. Math can, did decline, and I think we're probably going to see that across all of our um, uh, assessments. Uh, being a former math teacher, <laughs> I spent you know 16 years in the classroom teaching high school math and absolutely loved every minute of it. Um, math is very sequentially um, um, stacked. Uh, one skill leads to another skill leads to another skill. So when you have gaps in mathematics understanding, it really blossoms along the way. Uh, and so, um, and it's difficult to mimic mathematical instruction without being in person. And so we definitely saw an impact to, to that, our math, math achievement. In both 4th and 8th grade reading, Alaska saw no significant change in scores compared to 2019. A reading, however, it's interesting. Certainly, there, there is a negative result to some degree. However, Alaska maintained much more so than most states in the country. So NAEP is also national, so it's great because we get a, a statewide perspective, but we also get a national perspective. And our scores in reading either held or slightly increased, and that was a very distinct difference between Alaska and the other states, many of the other states. And so um, we're semi-encouraged by that. We still have a lot of work to do. Why said the district has returned to testing and that there is a new state test. We did last spring. spring. Uh, We shifted to our statewide assessment changed and we're using uh, a little bit different test. Uh, We will get we have those results. We're processing those results, and actually that will be the topic of discussion at our work session on Tuesday the 8th. Uh, for the board, we'll do our what we call our indicators of success report, and uh, that, that data will be shared with the board and public um, on Tuesday, November 8th, and then we also post that on our website. But that's a little bit deeper dive into the statewide assessment and a few other indicators that we measure. 
The University of Alaska Southeast has a new dean of students, Nathan Bodenstadt. Bodenstadt explained the position. So the Dean of Students is a role that's existed for a very long time and generally speaking oversees the entirety of student life for the university. So you might have, for an example, a Dean of an academic school that looks over a school. The Dean of Students is over student life. And so when you look at the people I work with, I oversee things like counseling and housing and the rec center and student activities and our health center and our native and rural student center get to support and provide student connections on campus. While on Capitol Chat, Bodenstadt said his history at UAS led him to the position. Came to the university as a student myself way back in 2009 and finished my bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies here in 2013 and just fell in love with the school. I originally as a student was going to be on campus for maybe a year or two and transfer down out of state and go on my grand adventure but turns out just moving to Juneau was my grand adventure and I've stayed ever since. I love this town and really fell in love with the school and stuck around and so after I finished my undergraduate program, I was able to engage in some distance education for my master's degree and stayed on with the university, working for about 10 years in the housing and residence life department. And talked about how student life on campus was affected by COVID. I serve on what's called our COVID response team here at the university. I have for a few years now, and we're always amazed by the resiliency of our students. They really have done um, so much to kind of keep themselves grounded as much as they can through all of this change, which is powerful, but it still has an impact. And, you know, we're seeing students that are coming in having been told, don't interact with people, don't go to events, don't leave your home for two years. And um, in some ways, we're handling that institutionally by making sure we're trying to rebuild that culture of engaging with each other and getting to know your peers and those around you in a physical in-person way. It's very different to have an interaction and meet someone just via Zoom versus in-person, and we're really trying to lean into those when we can do that safely. UAS Dean of Students, Nathan Bodenstadt. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.